This Sunday night, I want to speak to you this, this evening a little bit about the Word of God and the power of the Word of God and being committed to the Scriptures. We have a little bit of a larger text here, and I don't think I'm going to take a long time. You heard about the guys that have got so much to say. I don't know where to start. And a third grader said, start somewhere toward the end, Pastor. And uh, I'm going to try to start somewhere toward the end. But aren't you glad God gave us the Bible? And someone said about the Bible, though the cover is worn, though some pages are torn, and though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is a book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. When we prayerfully look in this precious old book, many pleasures and treasures we see, many trophies of love from the Father above who's nearest and dearest to me. This old book is my guide. It's a friend by my side and will lighten and brighten my way and every promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and I heed it each day. Just like every uh, microphone stand over here and this, I've shared this with you before, but this holds music and... Um, the reason, Brother John, would you hold that for me, please? The reason it can hold music is because it has three legs, three appendages. If it only had two, it would not do a good job. If it only had one, you could take it to the circus. That would be the best way you could use it. But because it has three legs, it can hold music for someone to play an instrument on tonight to glorify God. And it, pro it produces stability. And I think that healthy Christians uh, are going to have to have three major legs to stand on. One of those is the Spirit of God. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit God lives inside of you. And it changes you. He's on the inside. He puts sin on steroids. He makes you aware of sin. He convicts you when you're wrong. He comforts you when you're sad. He uh, teaches you the Bible. When you read the Bible, you don't ever read it by yourself. You want to read it with the Holy Spirit's help. He empowers you to tell other people about Christ. But the Holy Spirit is one of our major dependable things we lean on to be stable. Another thing God gave us is the local church. He gave us His Spirit. He also gives us His body. I know we live in a day and time where people today say, Ah, you can take or leave the church. But I don't believe that's God's opinion. The Bible says the church is the pillar and ground of truth. The church's job, it does its job, it protects the truth and propagates the truth. And that is one of the jobs. Some, there are some churches you couldn't find the truth there with a flashlight. They've lost the truth. They no longer, have, they haven't protected it and they have lost it. They don't propagate it. It's one of the reasons we want to get people the gospel of Christ. Is it to protect and propagate the truth? That's a job of a church. And everybody needs a church. Now, the church is not perfect. The Holy Spirit of God's perfect. And the church is perfect, but the church is not. The church has you and I in it. But it's still God's plan. God didn't, He made a sheep, and sheep need to be together. And they need a shepherd, and they need direction and encouragement and help. And he says, to forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as a man or some is. He says, I want you to be together. And come even more so together as you see the day approaching. But he uses a concept there, exhort one another. When you come, you don't just come to sit and listen. You come to participate. You come to encourage someone else. You come with a note in your Bible. You come with a good word or a complimentary thought. You come to challenge and to love someone else. You may only be one person in the world, but you're the world to one person. So God gave us his spirit. He gave us his church. And then he gave us his word. 
He gave us His Word, the Bible. And every faithful person, every faithful person is going to be stabilized as a child of God if they are committed to the work of God, the Church of Christ, the spirit, they're responsive to the Spirit of Christ, and they're dedicated to the Word of God. See, what you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. The Bible is given to us in life. It will be open again to judgment. It's just the way it is. God has given us the scriptures, and it's an eternal book. The Bible says in Psalms 119, Forever, O Lord, thy word was settled in heaven. It always was, it always will be. He said, the, the grass withered, the flower faded, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. It's an eternal book. It'll be open again at the judgment. You'll be able to see this. And you're responsible for it. I think there's several obvious reasons for the Bible. Number one, God gave us the Bible so we can know how to get to heaven from here. In 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy, or whenever Paul was talking to, 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 to Timothy, he said, look, at that from a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise into salvation. By the way, the best people to hear the gospel are children. Because to get saved, you need two things. You need to believe and receive. When you're young, that's what you want to do. You believe what you're told and you accept what you're given. As we get older, we become more skeptical and uh, cynical and we're less apt to receive. I, I'm thankful when adult gets saved. I'm thankful today we had adults get saved today. Some are going to get baptized. Had the joy to share the gospel with a couple of people this week. And one getting baptized in Texas and the other one is going to get baptized here this evening. I'm glad for that. But I tell you what, I love it when kids get saved. I was young when I got saved. I, uh, Mrs. Turner sent me this picture today. I think we can find it real quickly. These are 10 of 22 uh, young people that got to hear the gospel today. Isn't that beautiful? They all ride the buses from Chicago. And uh, there's 10 of them that someone took the time not to say, one, two, three, pray after me. You know that that's not what we do. We want to get clarity. We want people to understand the gospel. But these ten beautiful kids came onto our property without Jesus and they left with eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we want. We want to see that happen. And I thank God for those who participate. Thank you very much for showing that. But the Word of God, the first reason for the Word of God is show me how to reconcile with God. How? What can I do with my sin? And when we get saved, we give our sin to God. He gives us His Son. And then he that hath the Son hath life. If you're here tonight, you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Please, tonight get saved. Don't, don't put it off. Don't wonder if you are or you're not. Because you're going to die one of two ways. With your sin or with God's Son. If you die with your sin, you're instantly going to be separated from God who didn't want it that way. And you'll get a fair trial with him. With all the information on his books. But when you believe and receive Jesus, then you don't have a fair trial. You get a free pardon. He that hath the Son hath life. It's a wonderful thing. So the first reason God gave us the Bible is to show us how to get to heaven from here. Number two, how to live after we know number one. God gave us the Word of God to share with us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. The Bible tells in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. To my knowledge, inspiration, that's the only time it's found in our Bible. It means to breathe. God breathed, like pneumonia. It's pneumatic. It's, it's God's breath. And uh, he, says, he says, all of it's given by God. Uh, in First, Second Peter, the Bible says, this prophecy, the word of God did not come in old time by the will of man. 
But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What the Bible's teaching there is that 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 men were used to write the Bible. People say, ah, oh, that Bible was just written by men. Yes. And the note I wrote today was written by this pen. But this pen does not have any ability to write a note unless I move it on the page. And when someone gets the note, they won't say, well, that pen wrote me the nicest note. No. They'll say, the note came from John. Pastor wrote me that note. Well, the Bible says the, the word of God did not come in old time by the will of man. So a guy didn't get up one morning. Job did not. John the Beloved did not get up. He didn't do, Matthew, the, the guy who worked for the IRS, he didn't do it. Luke, the, the, the physician who wrote Luke and Acts, he didn't just get up one morning. Isaiah just said, well, yeah, I think I'm going to write some of the Bible for God. No. But they were all men who were holy men. They belonged to God. And they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's how we got our Bible. Our Bible, that's why the first guy who wrote Job and the last guy who wrote uh, John the Beloved, there's no contradiction. 1,600 years between their living. And yet we have a, we have a, a God-ordained book. Why? Because we have one author. We have the same person who gave all the Bible. And all of it is given to us so we'll know doctrine, what's right. Reproof, what's not right. So you want to know what you should do, what you shouldn't do? The Bible tells you. It speaks to you in precepts and in principles. And then, correction, when we mess up. What happens when you get off the high road of holiness? What happens when you take a 10-year sabbatical from God? And you come back in and say, it's been hard. Do you know what? God has answers. God has answers to how to get that corrected. What happens when you say something harsh or curt to your spouse, to your kids, to your mom, your dad? What if you've done something immoral? What do you do? Does God have an answer? He does. He says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you have sin, God tells us what is right and what's wrong. He tells you immorality is sin. He said, every, man that a, every sin that a man does without the body, but the sin of immorality is, again, is a fornication, a sin against the body. He calls homosexuality a sin against nature. No one is born that way. You're not born that way. No, no, God, God, but it's a sin. You get involved with it, it gets very addictive, very attractive. And you just keep going on, or you can stop and say, you know what, I think I'm going to stop covering my sin. I'm going to confess it and forsake it. I'm wrong. I'm going to admit it, and I'm going to quit it. Let me just tell you something. There's a dirty secret about sin. It takes you longer than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. It costs you more than you want to pay when you go down sin's road. God, God is not a, he's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to barge his way into your life. He's not going to stop you from doing certain things. And every bad thing that happens in humanity happens because of one word, sin. Sin. Somebody's in there. But yet, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. Yeah, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. How can you have a clean life? By the way, sin complicates life. You can do it. I can do it. You can, you can go and get drunk if you want to. It's, it's sin, but you can do it. You can be immoral and you can, you can practice fornication and adultery. 
You can go a different direction if you want to. You can gamble. You can do the things that, that you know in your spirit, the Holy Spirit illuminates your heart and says, that's not right, don't do that, don't do that. And you can go over that. But sin complicates life. But where sin abounded, grace did much more. When you're in trouble, run to God. Let His grace humble yourself. Admit your sin. Confess it. God says the Word of God's good for doctrine, what's right. For reproof, what's not right. For correction, how to get right. And then for instruction in righteousness. That's the best one. How to stay right. The Bible tells us the Word of God illuminates our mind. The entrance of God's Word giveth light. Something that you want at nighttime in a dark room, you want some light. If you're cleaning your kitchen, you want light. You can't see things if without light. If you're going to make a decision, you're driving at night, you need headlights. And you need to be able to see very clearly through the glass that's in front of you. And if you don't, you are limited to make good decisions. The Bible says the entrance of God's word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. You know, it takes light to raise children, to manage a marriage, to be a good wife, to be a good husband, to be a good employee or employer. It takes work. It takes light. You've got to have the more information. Knowledge is power. And God's given us the Word of God to do that. The Word of God is a, uh, it is a, uh, a timeless book. It always was. It always will be. We, we find it to be a tested book. When people try it, it works. Whatever the Word of God tells you, there's an irrevocable law of God. He blesses every act of obedience to God's Word. It's a truthful book. And it should be treasured among all of us. All of us should love the Bible. I want to encourage you to love your Bible. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. That's what the psalmist says. Well, I love the Bible. I don't know about you. But if you had a chance, if you could, if you could uh, put a Bible over here and a pile of stocks and bonds and gold bars and silver and money and cash, hundreds and thousands of dollars, and you could only have one. I'm not talking about this physical book. But for the rest of your life, you can either have all this money or you can have a relationship with the Bible. What would you take? Well, I think some of us have, oh, money, oh, I could, oh, I could. The truth of the matter is, I would not want to live a day without the resources of the scriptures. Not this particular Bible, just, just a word from God. But you can tell a lot about a person and their love for the scriptures. I want to lead you real quickly in the book of James. James is a hard-hitting pastor of the church of Jerusalem. He is the half-brother of Jesus, we believe. They share the same mother and obviously different fathers. The first pastor, James, was beheaded by Herod, and then Peter was arrested. Peter seemed to be a little bit more of a traveling uh, uh, preacher, but James was there. And then it looks like to me that James, this pastor, and along with possibly Jude, who was also the brother of Jesus... He was the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem, and he definitely, they called him Old Camel Knees in, historic, in historical writings. He was obviously a man of prayer, but he wasn't someone who messed around. He, he hit you right in the snot box. He stabbed you in the front, okay? He just tell you exactly how it was. 
And he opens up this particular book and says, look, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When you go through difficult trials, don't get sad and mealy-mouthed. He said, just thank God for what he's going to do through your trial. You don't, have to, you don't have to thank God for cancer. You don't have to thank God for this horrible divorce or this situation of rejection or this thing. He said, but whenever you go through a trial, thank God for what he's going to do. Because what trials do is they produce patience. Strength to keep going. You know how that you can be here tonight because you had some troubles that you went through. And it gave you strength to keep going. Whatever your trial is, your strength, you go through it by faith in God and wisdom. He said, when you have a trial, praise God for the trial and what God's going to do in it. His purposes. Number two, pray for wisdom in the middle of your trial. That's where they have the context. If any man lack wisdom, let him. Okay, one thing you need in a trial, you need wisdom. What do I do? What do I not do? And then verse number 12, he says, whoever blesses a man that endureth a trial, temptation. Because when he's tried, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord will give to all those that love him. By the way, the key component to making it through a trial, uh, girls over here, we paying attention? The key component to making it through a trial is, is the love issue. It's, a, it's, it's trusting God, praying for wisdom, and loving him. He said, anyone who endures a difficulty, I'm going to give you. But then he goes on and says, the next, the next thing that helps us to be strengthened and mature is a relationship with the Bible. Let's look at verse number 16. We'll follow along and I'll make this as quick as possible. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Brother, he says, don't make a mistake, my beloved brethren. So he loves these people. He says, I want to help you. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the what? Word of truth. That we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now just real quickly, the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? Above. Okay, I want you to hold your finger there and I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. Everybody turn there if you would be a disciplined uh, follower this evening of the scriptures. Isaiah 55. I think this will be worth your time. If you have a pen or a, um, a, a highlighter, you want to highlight these verses. Isaiah 55, this is where the Lord says in verse number 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. He says in verse 8, My thoughts are, are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. And then verse number 8, look at verse number, uh, verse number 10, would you? 55, 10, do you see it there? He says, For the rain cometh down, and the snow from where? Heaven. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes where? From above. So, he says, now, just like the rain comes down, and returneth not hither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So, Isaiah is saying here, that he's saying, look, just like um, every, the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they land on the planet, and they change the planet. The water table here in, uh, in, in Hammond is very low. It's just three or four feet, you'll get sand. So if we don't have regular rain, what happens to the lawn in your front lawn? Starts looking bad. It starts getting brown real fast. Okay? And the thing that would change that is rain. When you get water, it changes that. Years ago, I had a sweet friend in our church in Long Beach, and their name was Bill and Carol Wynn. 
They had a, they had a home, a three-bedroom ranch-style home in Joshua Tree, California. Now, Joshua Tree is out in the high desert. You might heard of 29 Palms or Yucca Valley or Marengo Valley. Uh, it's a little higher than, than um, the, an elevation than something like um, Palm Springs would be, but it's, 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 it's there. And they said, Brother Wilkerson, we want you to take the keys to this house and you can have it whenever you want. And just go out there and enjoy, enjoy the home. And, and I kind of got excited about it until I got there. I said, why would you put a house in the middle of this God-forsaken desert? This is ugly. I mean, even the cactuses don't look like they want to be here, you know? I mean, it just, it just, it was hotter than I could ever imagine, like 115 degrees. And they had this little house there, and the house was nice, it was nice. They had like little four-wheelers, we brought a motorcycle there, we, had, we rode motorcycles and had a good time. We climbed out rocks, and, and, but it was just, I thought, why would you put a house out here? But a few times, I mean, just, it's just barren. You know, those tumbleweeds that happen, you know? Those things just were blowing everywhere, and, and uh, it was hot, and I just, the, 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 the cactus looked wilted, and I thought, man, this is unbelievable. But I got to go out there a few times after a rain. Now, the rain on a desert floor, you talk about changing things, immediately it changes. You get rain in the desert, and boom! Those cactuses get flowers on them. Beautiful. They sprung up. They really spring up real good. Little jackrabbits start jumping around. Little roadrunners run around. Uh, those tumbleweeds, they actually are little plants. They have a very small root. And they get these little bushes and they grow green and beautiful and lush. And then whenever they don't have enough water and the sun comes down, they just, they just start rolling around the desert. But boy, after rain, that desert is popping. I mean, you just see little foxes jumping around. You see, oh, it's just beautiful. And you know, the truth of the matter is, and then, and then the desert, in, in those, in, and when you get rain, then you get crops. Every farmer, what does he pray for? Rain. So he can have enough food, so he can have enough wheat or corn or whatever he's growing, soybeans, so he can get enough to feed himself and his family and, and sell to the crops now and also save enough seed for next year's crops so he can reproduce again. That's what the Bible says. As the rain comes down from heaven, the snow comes down from heaven and it waters the earth and bring, causes it to bring forth in bud. And so you have food for the eater and then you have seed for next year to reproduce. The Bible says in the next verse, look at it if you would please, verse number 11. Read it with me out loud, would you? So shall my word be that goeth forth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto. He said, just like the rain, the water comes down from heaven, my word will come down. And it doesn't land on the planet, it lands on the soul of a human being. And when it lands and marinades in your heart, couple things happen. Number one, you start changing. Your countenance changes. Your perspective changes. Your thinking changes. I think another thing that changes is that you become fruitful. You become a blessing to other people and you become reproductive. When people let the word of God settle in their heart, God said, I'll send that. 
Well, I think this is, a, this is a parallel chapter, a parallel verse. And by the way, look at the next verse. Look at it for sec- real quickly. You tell me what are the byproducts of a word-filled Christian. What are a couple things you see there? Joy. What else? Peace. What else? Singing. Right there, right out of the box. Anyone who lets the Word of God get in their heart, they have joy. Peace. You want to find a joyful Christian? You'll find a word-filled Christian. You want to find a peaceful Christian? You're probably going to have someone who has a relationship with the Bible. It's good to have a relationship with your Sunday school teacher, your pastor, your assistant pastor, your friends, your mom, your dad, and all that's great. But listen, you need a relationship with the Bible. Because that will bring forth joy and peace. And you've got to have peace to make progress. Many of us, we're all tore up on the inside. Quietness is not what we have in the inner man. And oftentimes, a, a relationship with the Word of God will, will be a byproduct. A byproduct of that will be the peace and singing. Some of you can't stand Christian singing. You can't wait for it to be over. Now, I'm not here to criticize you. I'm just telling you, there's something about music that God likes. Music is not for you. It's supposed to start in the heart, and it's supposed to be for the Lord. But the same people that stand there like with a, with a pooch mouth disease, they got ACDC uh, t-shirts at home. They got music on Pandora. They get in their truck, their car, they turn it on. But they don't like the music that God gives us in, in, a, in a worship service. I'm not saying it's perfect. Or I'm just telling you, a relationship with the Bible will bring joy, peace, and song. A good song. Well, we'll go back to James chapter 1. I want you to notice this real quickly, and, and then I need to conclude. James chapter 1, verse number 17. I think there's a parallel verse. Every good gift. I used to think, well, every good thing ever God gave me. But I think he's talking here about the scriptures. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. And I think he's particularly in context speaking about the Bible. God's gift, and where did the Bible come from? From heaven. And it comes down to our heart, and it's in, it, it, you can't change it. Don't try to change the Bible, let the Bible change you. <laughs> don't don't try, to, try to, you don't need to re- recreate the wheel. Just, just uh, put it on your car and ride it. <laughs> it will work, the word of God is there. He said, it's going to come down, and, God give, and, and it, it's, not, it's not something you can negotiate. God's not getting our permission to give us the Bible or what he wants to say. He said, it's invariable. And then he goes on to say, look, if you would please, the first thing it does, verse 18, of his own will, he beget us with the word of truth. So how do we, how do we get born into God's family? The word of truth. That we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. That's how we got into God's family. It was how we became his family. Now, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I'll come back to that. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And I want you to look at verse number, um, verse number 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The first thing the word of God does in this context, it redeems us. You get saved from hearing God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The second thing the Bible teaches here is that the Word of God must be accepted. It must be received. And it's supposed to be received with meekness. Some of you have heard me talk before. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength yielded to another. It is adjusting to another's agenda or plan. 
Whenever your boss gets together what, and he gets a plan out going, what you need to do is if it's not illegal or immoral, just make that plan work. A precious wife, the Bible says, a meek and a quiet spirit is in the sight of God of great value. What's one of the things that a wife does? She adjusts her life and her agenda to that of her husband in the home. It is, it is meekness. He said, no, when you hear the word of God, take it and adjust your agenda to what God wants. You have to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, once again, the person here is already saved. So it's not talking about getting someone saved. It's talking about saving them from their own thinking, their feelings, and their desires. What's a pastor's job to do? To watch for your... One of the things a pastor does and a Sunday school teacher does and spiritual leaders do and moms do and dads do for their kids is they're shaping their thinking. They're shaping their feelings about things and they're shaping their desires. You know what the Word of God wants to do? It wants to save you from bad, stinking thinking that's out there. People think, oh, you, look, you deserve to be happy. That is not a Bible verse. If it feels good, just do it. Well, I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Listen, friend, get to the Bible and let it shape your opinions. Don't go. He that's not trusting his own heart is a fool. The heart is deceitful above all things. Hey, listen, what the Word of God is, is to be received with meekness. It's able to save your thinking, your feelings, and your desires. So the first thing the Bible, it redeems us. Number two, it is to be received by us. But may I say to you, it can be restricted. Everybody here is hearing the same Bible. We got the same Bible open. We're looking at the same passage of Scripture. But not everybody is getting it. The same people can read the same, have the same devotion. You can go and you want to read tomorrow uh, the, 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 the proverb of the day. You can read it. I can read it. But it does not mean everybody is going to get it the same. Okay? Let me just tell you something here. He says, look. This is why he says in context. He says, all right, look. Let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. Because the wrath of man worketh not the what? Okay? Once again, the Bible is given to us to... To, to live in righteousness. Okay? There are several things that inhibit your ability to get it. One, if you're talking at the same time. Okay? When two people are talking, someone's not listening. Okay? So he said, every man be swift to and slow to. Okay? You always learn more when you're listening intentively. And it's hard to listen when you're talking at the same time. The second thing that inhibits your ability to hear God's word is anger, upset. He said, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, whenever someone is angry, it's very hard to tell them anything. It's very hard to teach someone who is angry. When you're communicating with someone who's angry with you, Usually, they're just quiet, polite enough, so you'll stop talking so they can say what they want to say. They are not thinking, I'm learning something. They're not receiving it. And he says here, put away anger. One of the major problems in Christian lives is we're angry. And most people who are angry will say, I am not angry. They'll say it very angrily while they say that. 
We don't want to admit it, but we got some problems there. And it inhibits our ability to receive truth. He said, you better put away all superfluity of naughtiness. Sin restricts our ability. When you're headstrong and you're in sin, you'll struggle to hear. It's like putting wax in your ears or Q-tips and trying to pick up on small sounds. Or, or, or cotton in your ears and trying to pick up on... on and you can't. It's like head, headsets on or putting your, your iPods in your ear and then trying to hear what your mom is saying eight feet away from you. When you're listening to a podcast or listening to something in your ear, you can't hear. He said, you better put away those sin, anger, and the temptation to run your mouth. Learn to listen. Because we need to receive it. So the Word of God's given to us so we can be redeemed, so it can be received, but it can be restricted. I want you to quickly, I'll just give you the other thought real quickly and then we, we need to go. But I want, I want to share with you, it needs to be responded to with action. Look, if you would please, what the Bible says, be ye doers. Verse 22, read it with me. Be ye doers of the word and not deceiving. Very good. And if any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer, that man beholding is like beholding his natural face in the glass, and beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, straightway, forgetting what manner he was. But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty, continueth therein, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Do you want to be blessed? See what God wants you to do and then put it into action. Many of us are information fat, but we're application skinny. We've had so many life-changing messages we've heard, but we don't know who we are. But we have not practiced it. We know we're supposed to forgive, but we don't forgive. We know we're supposed to be morally pure. We know that, that uh, fornication and homosexuality is sin. The Bible tells us, very clear, black and white, but we don't accept it. We know we're supposed to, to ask someone to forgive us and we're wrong, but we don't. We know we're supposed to have tender hearts and we don't have tender hearts. He said, you're just like someone who goes look in the mirror in the morning, sees what's there and does nothing about it and takes the day on. I am so glad you all did not do that. Could you imagine for one Sunday if we just all walked in here the way we saw ourselves? Just put our clothes on and just showed up. That way, it would be horrendous, embarrassing. But you know, that's what the Bible says. If we hear what God says, and then we look at it, and we don't do anything about it, we don't become doers of the word, we're not blessed. And we're not blessed in our deeds. He said, but if you find someone who will see what God wants them to do, and then put it into action, he'll be blessed. My final thoughts at the end of the chapter. Let's read these verses. I'll break them down, and then we'll go. Redeems us. We're to receive it. It restricts. It's restricted by anger. It's, we're supposed to respond to it. But look at verse number 26. Can you read out loud to me? Verse 26. Ready? If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God. And the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction to keep himself unspotted from the world. If someone says, I love God. I am spiritual. I am one of the more religious, committed people in this room. You can tell. I love the Bible. Boy, I love the Bible. I read it and I do it. You can tell if I do or I don't. And there are three litmus tests right here. Number one, they'll be bridled in their speech. They'll be careful with their mouth. He said, if you've got a guy who says I'm religious, and he doesn't bridle his tongue, 
You see a girl who says, oh yeah, I love God. I love the Bible. Boy, the Bible's my best friend. But, she's a, but, but she or he are very critical with her words. That man's religion is empty. Number two, we'll become very benevolent in our spirit. And that, what I mean by that, we'll be very giving. He said you find widows that are hurting, and you find fatherless children who don't have someone to take care of them. You find people in your sphere of influence that need help. And if you love the Bible, God's going to provoke you to give, to be very benevolent, to share with what God's given you. So be bridal in our speech, benevolent in our giving, and then lastly, blameless in our separation. We'll keep ourselves unspotted from the world. I'm in this world. Jesus prayed his father in John 17. Look, Lord, I don't, Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world. But I want you to keep the world out of them. I, they're going to walk in the world, but don't let them get spotted with all the worldliness. Don't let them get, let them not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the way they live. We're in the world, but God is the one who's, and you know the key to having a bridal tongue, a giving spirit, and a, and a life that is blameless in our separation? It's a relationship with the Bible. It's receiving the scriptures. All of us had this in common. We have a Bible. Do we believe it? Do we accept it? Will we obey it? Let me just tell you, your, your, your nature does not want to do what the Bible says. But wise is the man or woman who lets that done. And then when we do it, we'll become very giving, careful with our mouth. We won't hurt people. That, we won't hurt people that way. And we'll be very clean in our living. May God help us to make much and uh, be committed to the word of God.